Well, my name is Pradeep, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, today is a special Sunday. It's our Legacy Sunday, and I'm so excited. We love worshiping God with singing, with giving, and I'm going to explain that a little bit more. And we love worshiping God by loving one another. And so for the next minute, before we get into this message, I want to encourage you to meet the people around you for the next minute. There's some amazing people here. Ask them a question. Ask them out for coffee. Be like, hey, I've had a hard time making friends in church. Will you be my friend? I, I, we don't want to just be a friendly church, right? We want to be a church of? That's right. And so for the next minute, why don't you meet the people around you, and we'll get into the blessed life. Good morning, let's grab our seats, and we're going to continue the Blessed Life Sermon Series, and in fact, this is the last installment of this sermon series, and I am pumped about it. Today is Legacy Offering. It's a special Sunday where instead of taking multiple offerings and collecting money throughout the year to bless different organizations and ministries, we take one big offering, and we use it to be generous and bless uh, organizations locally, nationally, and globally. And I am so pumped about this. Last year, we were able to raise $26,000, and that was a huge blessing. And I, I just think we have such a generous community, and uh, I, I'm so pumped about this message and today. And uh, I just want to let you know, and I'm going to tie this into my message a little bit, but next week on Saturday on the 8th, we are going to minister as a church at Sophia Way. We're going to go get a Christmas outreach, exposure moment thing happening for a women's shelter right here in Bellevue. And I, I just love it that our church is part of just making a difference in a tangible way. Aren't you guys thankful for that? You know, there's this uh, shelter here in town where uh, people who are experiencing homelessness or domestic abuse, they can have a safe place. And last year, we decided to start partnering with them, and we were able to decorate it for Christmas. 
we did a deep clean. I mean, we, we got into that fridge. It was, it was scary, but we got, in, we got in there. We got right into the pantry. It was awesome. And so we're going to be partnering with them again. And my prayer is that we have too many people where we just have to think of more outreaches to do on this Saturday because we got such a big turnout. And so that is on the 8th. And uh, today we are in our Blessed Life series. Pastor Amritha killed it last week. Preaching about money, about giving and saving and earning and investing, and I love it. I love it. And so, title of my message today is Leaving a Legacy. Leaving a Legacy. Dear Father, I pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Oprah. What a powerful name. <laughs> Oprah. We've all seen her on TV. We've heard about her. And Oprah has a reputation for being generous. She does. And in 2004, she did something that had never been done on TV before. She found 11 people throughout the nation who are hitting hard times or in desperate need of finances, and she surprised them. She showed up at these houses of people who needed a miracle, who needed a blessing. She brought her camera crew. She, she walks up to their door and says, hey, you know what? On behalf of our show, we are going to bless you with a brand new $30,000 car. And she went to 11 different homes and did this. And in the history of talk show television at this time, nothing this generous had really had been done before. How many of you guys could use a brand new $30,000 car for free from Oprah? And then in her, student, in her studio audience, She's telling everybody about what she's doing. She's showing videos. It's getting emotional. People are like, man, I wish I had a car. And then she tells the studio audience, well, I'm not done giving yet. I know I've given away 11 cars already, but someone in this audience is going to get a car today. And you can see the emotions are rising. People are looking at each other. They're freaking out. And she starts handing out all these boxes, and she says, whoever has the box with the key gets the car. And I, I want you to see this clip of what happens. Come on. You get a car. You get a car. All right. Well, Kalos Church, in the spirit of generosity, I want you to look under your chairs. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Woo! 
you don't get a car. You don't get a car. You don't get a car. <laughs> and this monumented her and monumented a legacy of generosity. And I, I just think it's so cool. In fact, she got such a reputation for generosity that people started making memes or making reenactments of her generosity. And uh, this really, I probably don't need to show this for my sermon to illustrate the point. But I love this clip, and it just shows you that she left a legacy of generosity. And you know you truly have a legacy when people start doing parodies of you, amen? This goes out to you, Weird Al. Let's play this clip. I love our church. <laughs> church in a comedy club, amen? No joke. And so she solidified her reputation as a generous person. And I believe that, Kayla, today we have an opportunity to leave a legacy of generosity. And I think the church should have that branding more than Oprah, amen? That we are a generous people. There's something so moving about unexpected generosity. When someone transitions from passion oh, I'm, I'm, I'm like really broken about this situation and this lack, moves from just passion to compassion, where I'm going to suffer with this person. I'm going to get into the trenches with them. And unexpected generosity is so powerful. And so today, I want to challenge us uh, to really have this mindset of generosity. And uh, I want to say it like this. Generosity changes the world. Generosity changes the world, so we need to start giving while you are living. And I, I want to read this scripture uh, that talks about what happens when we give money. Can you put that scripture up on the screen, Bill? It talks about, in Matthew 5, 16, it says, Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. And I believe that at Kalos Church, as we give, and we are generous, and we are open, it prompts people to see the beauty of Jesus. It prompts people to see that there is a generous Father. There is a generous God who loves humanity. And you can see that love through our tangible sacrifice. Amen. And so we need to start giving while we are living. And I believe many of us consider ourselves generous. And we're thinking thoughts, well, if I had the money of Oprah, or if I was rich like Bill Gates, then I would be generous. And I, I feel like many of us are on this threshold of uh, saying we are generous or wanting to be generous and actually being generous. We're saying like, ah, oh, 
Pastor Pradeepan, if, yes, if I had a lot of money, I would give, but first, I, I need to pay off my mortgage, and then I will be a generous person. Or first, I'm, I'm just a college student. I need to get through college, and then I will be generous. Or once the kids get out of the house, then I will, I will help people. I will bless people. Once I get out of debt, then I will be a generous person. Okay, I'm waiting for a big promotion at work. Once that happens, then I will finally step into being generous versus just thinking I'm generous or wanting to be generous. And I, I just believe we are caught in this tension of wanting to be generous versus actually being generous. And Jesus talks about generosity and finances a lot in Scripture. And if it's your first time here at church or at a church, you're probably elbowing one of your friends and you're like, I knew it. You brought me to church. And they're talking about money. I knew it. And, and we do talk about money here at the church. But it's not because we are in financial desperation or we're need, We're giving away this money. <laughs> we just believe that Jesus talks about Scripture so much because he knows it's the number one contender for your heart. And like we've been saying for the last month, Jesus doesn't want to get your money, but he doesn't want your money to get you. Because our heart follows where we put our money. Our heart follows our treasure. If you invest $100 into a football game on a bet, you are interested in that football game. If I ask you to invest a million dollars on a bet during a high school game of football, you who probably don't watch a lot of high school football would probably be very interested in that game because your heart naturally follows where your treasure is. And so the scriptures are very clear on generosity and finances. And I, I want to read a scripture, and we're going to dig into this idea of generosity before we get into the legacy offering. And in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, it's a pretty straightforward scripture, and it gets right to the point. It says this, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. What a powerful scripture. And so we see that the scriptures tell us not to only have riches, but to be rich in generosity. And as we read the scripture, like, oh my goodness, thankfully that scripture is only talking to those who are rich. Command those who are rich in this present world to be rich in generosity. And we're thinking, okay, I can skip over this sermon or I can skip over these verses because I'm not rich. I still steal my friend's Netflix. I'm not rich. <laughs> I'm not rich at all. Uh, well, I, I kind of have some good news and bad news. Uh, bad news is actually you are rich and you are held to a higher responsibility according to the scriptures. Good news is you are rich and you have a lot of uh, 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 resources to make a difference in this world. So you're thinking, okay, I'm not rich. Are you kidding me? Well, uh, I, I, I went to this website. It's called the, the globalrichlist.com. I encourage you to check it out. And you can, you can type in how much you make a year or you can type in how much uh, resource you have access to. And uh, I found out that if you make more 
than $33,000 in a year, which we're, we're in Seattle, that's not like a crazy salary, but if you make more than $33,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of the whole world in riches. And so we think we're not that rich, but if you're in the top 1%, if we took the whole world here and we divided them into 100 categories and we say, this is how rich each person is, you, would, you couldn't be in a higher category if you make more than $33,000 a year. So you are rich. And I think as a pastor, especially a pastor here in Bellevue, it's my responsibility to remind us that we are rich. We are wealthy. And we have a responsibility. Being rich doesn't mean God loves us more, but it does mean we are more responsible to be a blessing with what we have. And we will find, though, uh, many of us don't feel very rich because we compare ourselves to others who have, a more, have more money than us or because we spend everything that we have. Pastor Maritha talked last week about how the average American spends more than 130% than their income. And so we don't feel rich because we don't have a lot of margin. So this lack of margin in our life and this comparison to other rich people makes us feel less rich. But the fact is, we are in, for the most part, the top 1% of the world. And that is something we need to take responsibility for, and we need to follow the scripture that says, command those who are rich in this present world. I want you to look at someone and say, I'm rich. I'm rich. I'm rich, baby. And, and the fact is, though, we think that the more money we have, the less we worry about money. But it, it's the total opposite. The more money you have, the more you worry about money. You have more to lose. Why is that? It's because money is an appetite. Money is an appetite. The more you have, the more you want. The more you have, the more you're aware of your money. You look at, when you, when you develop an appetite, it just grows and grows and grows. You know, my, my wife, Pastor Amritha here, she's been baking cookies. In fact, she baked a ton of cookies yesterday at our house and like, I, I don't want to eat a lot of cookies. Like, this, this physique does not come naturally. I have to fight every day for this, okay? And so there's cookies all around the house, and I, I, I try to convince myself, I'm just going to take, a, a, like, a little fourth of that cookie. Anybody with me? I'm not going to grab the whole, I'm not selfish. I'm not glutton. I have, I, I, I have control. And so I'm going to just take a little, just a little cookie. And so I grab it, and, then, and I eat it. But the fact is, it awakens my hunger. And I want more cookie. And I'm like, all right, ladies, don't look at my physique for the next month, because it's cookie time. <laughs> and so I eat that one little nimble, and then I break off a little bit more. You know you're like me, and then pretty soon, five cookies in. You're like, C is for cookie. That's good enough for me. <laughs> Can I get a good amen? <laughs> and that's the nature of appetites. The more you have, the more you want. The same principle applies for money. You never see poor people worrying about what is happening with their money. Oh, what's my return on my investment? They don't have the money to worry about. You know, but when you're rich, you have this, this desire to, 
not lose what you have. And that's why the scripture is very clear in what we just read. It says, command those who are rich in this present world, like to not trust in your money, but trust in our heavenly Father who richly provides for us. And uh, I think we can all agree, more money, more problems. And it's just a reality for a lot of us. And many of us say, I will give more when I have more, but that is a myth. Because like we've been talking about, money doesn't change, money doesn't change you. Money makes, more, makes you more of what you already are. If you're generous now, you'll be generous when you're rich. Money makes you more of you are. And so many of us have bought into this lie in that transition between thinking we're generous to actually being generous to saying, when I have more money, then I will give, I will be generous, but that's not how it works, especially in America. I, I was looking at the stats. Statistically, the richer you are in America, the less you give, percentage-wise. And so it's because money is an appetite, and so we need to take heed of the Scripture. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides. How many of you guys agree that God richly provides? He is such a good father. Us with everything for our enjoyment. God, it's, all right, you having money and enjoying it, don't, don't feel guilt about that. That's okay. God provides us money for enjoyment. It's okay, but we still have a responsibility. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation. Okay, so when we give, we lay up a treasure that will become a firm foundation. And so I said, uh, there's so much moving about generosity, like we said. Let's put that, that three-part slide up. It says, uh, generosity changes the world. And so I want to add to this, and you know I love rhyming. And so, all right, let's keep on going. Generosity changes the world. So start giving while you are living. And let's put this next part up. Uh, because what you are Holding is molding. Ooh. <laughs> it's about to get real. <laughs> Woo. So we need to start giving while we're living because what we're holding is molding. This scripture said, hey, give, be generous, and then you're laying up a firm foundation, something that will last. And there's so many scriptures that talk about when we become hoarders, when we hold on to things, it corrodes and moths destroy it, and pests get into it, and what we're holding on to eventually gets destroyed. Well, savings are good, but when we become hoarders, we are not doing what the Scripture warns us to not do. In fact, let's read a couple more Scriptures that talk about this. In Matthew 6, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, for moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. In James 5, let's just, let's just get into a really, uh, really harsh scripture. It says this, Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail. All right, James, brother of Jesus. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths that have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. And check this out. Your corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. That is powerful. That is powerful. And it speaks to this principle is 
We need, we need to give. We need to store up treasures in heaven because we can't take any of our possessions into eternity. What we're holding is molding. Have you ever had someone in your family pass away and then you start rummaging through their belongings and you're like, wow, they had a lot of clothes. They had a lot of like books. They had a lot of possessions. They can't take any of that stuff with you. And it speaks to their legacy. You talk about all the stuff they had or hoarded, or you talk about all the stuff that they gave away and how little they had. You know, many of us, we, uh, we have so many clothes in our closets. We, ha- we have so much clothing. We have, like, shirts we have not worn in years. I, I remember I had a box of clothing that I kept in a shed when I lived in Michigan, and when I, when I went to go move, I grabbed that box, and Amritha and I saw that uh, vermin, little mice had gotten into our, our, our shed in Michigan. We lived in the country, and they, they nibbled on, like, little uh, stockings for Christmas, on our clothes. And uh, as I read this scripture, man, that convicts me. Because what, l- listen to what this scripture says. It says, your wealth is rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you. You know, there are so many people that don't have basic uh, shelter. They don't have clothing. They don't have food. And here we are as Americans with clothes that are rotting and going out of style, and we're just hoarding them. You know, many of us, we buy bread. That's why I'm holding this bread. And we, in case you've been wondering, we, we have bread in our fridge, and, or we have bread on the counter, and we don't eat that bridge that, 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 that bread fast enough, and so it molds food we could have given away. And the scripture says, all that extra stuff you've been hoarding in your closets, all those clothes you don't wear, all that food that's going bad, even that gold that's corroding, all of that testifies against you. It's a powerful word. All of that is part of your legacy that you could have given, but you hoarded it for yourself, while others who are without suffered. That's what the scripture says. And so it challenges us. Do not store your treasures in, uh, like on this earth, but store it in heaven, where they can never be corrupted, where we can leave a legacy, where we can say, for generations, we were part of something that made known the beauty of difference. We gave sacrificially. We gave generous, generously, and we are leaving a legacy that says, God is alive. God worked through me. God trusted me with so much, and I didn't hoard it for myself and let it rot, but I used it to impact this city, this state, and this world. And that's why I'm just so thankful to be part of Kalo's church because I feel like we are a generous community. I feel like you guys serve with your time generously. You give with your money generously. And it is a legacy that says, hey, we are not okay with people going through their struggles alone. We are going to do our part to make a difference. This money came to me, but it's not just for me. I have a responsibility to bless people and open up my money, open up my house in a prayer that people will open up their hearts to a generous God. Can I get a good amen? And so I just believe in this message, and I'm so thankful Jesus talks about generosity. And so we are not called to hoard, and we think we're being responsible, 
by having all this excess savings, but it's not responsible. It's leaving a legacy of stinginess, but we're called to leave a legacy of generosity. Amen? And I'm moved by this statement right here. When we give, the scriptures say, individuals get credit in heaven, but the church gets credit on earth. And so when we, we give, yes, come on, somebody. When we give, yes, our Father who sees in secret, he knows we've given. And yes, we get credit in heaven individually. But when we give as Kalos Church, instead of a bunch of individuals giving, at, as we give as the church, God gets credit through the church. And it's so powerful. How many of you would agree that the church kind of has a branding problem? You know, people have a bad idea of what church is like. Oh, you go to that church and you just, you guys just judge each other and you just, you steal people's money and you're just selfish and and you just condemn one another and you have to live these perfect lives and you have to be super holy and uh, like people, that's what people think about the church. People don't think the church is beautiful and that's one of the reasons why we call this church Kalos Church. Kalos means beautiful in Greek because we, we want to rewrite the story. Hey, you know what? There is a beautiful God that loves you as beautiful people. And there's a beautiful church that's filled with broken people. But you know what? Jesus renews us and gives us strength. Jesus is our legacy. Jesus is our hope. And there is such thing as beauty, and beauty will save the world. But when we give as individuals, people don't look at the church. They just think you're awesome. But when we give as the church, people start to believe that. Maybe the church is better than I thought. Maybe the church is powerful. Maybe the church can change the world. Maybe the church is a beautiful bride of Christ. And if the church is beautiful, maybe Jesus is even more beautiful. It prompts people to open up their hearts to God. And I want the church to get credit for our giving. Like we read in Matthew 5, it says, Keep open house, the house of God. We are the church. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. And I think we have an opportunity to rewrite the branding problem of the church. You know, two weeks ago, I was sitting in service here, and this girl approached me, and she said, I just want to thank you all at Kalos Church because you gave to Sophia away with time. You served. You set up for Christmas and all this stuff. And I just want to let you know, I was one of the girls who lived at Sophia Way at the time. I was going through some issues, and uh, I want to play a video that she recorded for all of us. And she's amazing. Phil, can we play this video? for work, this 
It's just so powerful, so moving. And uh, we get to be a part of it. Our generosity leaves a legacy. And I, I just truly believe that we're, we're called to be more generous than Oprah. Amen? I believe the church can be more generous than Oprah, and I am not afraid to say it. I am not afraid of her. If you're watching on the live stream, I'm not afraid of you, Oprah. And so, so, so let's create a legacy together. Amen? Let's create a legacy together. And so last year, we were able to, to raise $26,000. And this year, we don't, we don't have a money financial goal. We don't. We're just going to ask you to ask God what he would have you give. We're not asking you to give money, but we're asking, would you ask God what you would have you give? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of Oprah. Just be people filled with faith. And uh, I do have a number goal, though, when it comes to participation. And this is my prayer, and this, I'll put our participation goal. This is my goal today, that we would have 100% participation. That all of us who are rich, I would just, I'm not going to command you to give. The scriptures do that. But I, I, I just want to see us be generous and leave a legacy that create more stories than what we just saw. 100% participation. And so we have the opportunity to give to a couple of organizations. I want to read some of them that we're going to be giving towards. So ministries we're planning on supporting, we kind of group them up into local, national, and global. So we want to support Paz Missionaries. It's this organization based out of Brazil. And Ben and Debbie Block are going to be moving to Japan January 23rd. And they're going to be missionaries in this very unreached part of the world. They're actually watching on the live stream right now. Everybody say, hi, Blocks. <laughs> so really passionate about these two. Actually, Ben was my first Christian friend when I first started to learn about the gospel and Jesus and things like that. And then we're going to give to Sophia Way, like we just heard a testimony about. Uh, Jubilee Reach. How many of you served with us in Jubilee Reach this summer where we bless schools in a tangible way? So we're going to bless the local community there. Lightbridge International, we're going to be sponsoring children in East Asia. So Amritha's actually worked with them for the last seven years. I've been there as well. People who live or lived on active minefield, children who have had shrapnel in their bodies because they thought they were playing with candy, are being given a chance uh, to have education and food and just a dignified life. Really passionate about that. Um, going to be giving towards church planting, ARC, church planting, the Association of Related Churches. We always want to be a, a church plant born pregnant. So from the very beginning, when we started Kalos Church a year ago, we gave to church planting from day one because we believe in church planting. And Kalos outreaches, things like our special Christmas services, we just want to make known the beauty of Jesus right here. And, uh, you know, God's been blessing Kalos Church, and we've been growing it. Uh, we're just hoping that one day we might be able to hire some Kalos Church staff and grow this thing. So we want to start a future Kalos staff fund so that we can make known the beauty of Jesus so we can amp up different departments, whether it's children's ministry or maybe a youth group one day, things like that, where we can have the, the resources and the personnel to really make this happen on a, a full-time basis. So those are the things we're giving. You can go to Kalos.Church.com. 
slash legacy if you want to see videos from uh, these organizations and see some of our stats from last year. I encourage you to go to kalos.church slash legacy so you can do some research on that. And uh, we're about to collect the, the offering instructions. And I just kind of want to close with this quick story. That girl, we saw her testimony how she was experiencing homelessness. She's able to find refuge at the Sophia Way. Well, the church that sent us to plant a church in Bellevue was in Bellevue, or it was in Michigan. So Pastor Amrith and I, we lived in Michigan, and that church, they took up an offering for us and sent us out. Well, they didn't realize that a little while after that, uh, a couple in the church from Cornerstone Church in Michigan, they didn't realize that uh, their girl would move to Seattle, not, not to church plant with us. She just moved to Seattle, and she experienced homelessness, and they came to visit us two Sundays ago, and it turns out that that church plant that they sent out, that they blessed financially, was actually able to bless their daughter right here. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And I, I just think it's amazing. You never know what God will do with your sacrifice, with your generosity, with your blessing. And I found this out over and over again. You can't outgive God. So what we're going to do to collect this legacy offering is there's a couple ways you can give. But uh, there's a white piece of paper on your chair. I want to encourage everybody. My goal is 100% participation, whether it's like one penny or a million dollars. I have a preference, but whatever. Uh, take that piece of paper. and I, I just want you to write down the amount. And uh, we're going we're gonna to place these in buckets. We have pens and things like that. I want you to write down your amount. And... I want you to write down what you're believing God for, what kind of legacy you're praying for, how God would use this money. And we're going to collect these things, put it in a bucket, and then we're all going to pray. But you can also give online. Even if you're giving online, please write on that paper. Just go to kalos.church slash legacy. You can click, click a link there to give, and there's a tab. Do not give to tithes, but give to the legacy offering on that tab. So that way we can have an idea of what is going towards this offering and not just general tithes. So I'm going to give you a moment. The, the band is going to sing and lead us in, in worship as we worship in giving and singing. I just pray that you would ask God what he would have you to give. And uh, feel free to stand up as we sing, but let's, let's worship. What a beautiful name.
All right. Well, as we're collecting the offering, I just wanted us to pray over this, this legacy. And so these are one of the buckets. But So we ask you to fill out that piece of paper with an amount and a prayer. And there's different ways to give, whether it's online, in person. And if, if you weren't able to give, that was too fast, just contact me or, or one of us, and we can make sure we, we, we do this organized and well. But uh, why, why don't we all stand up to our feet right now? And I, I just want to pray over this, pray over our legacy, pray over making known the beauty of Jesus, praying that scripture that says when we open up in generosity, it, it will open up people's hearts to believe that there's a generous God. And so if, you, if you're comfortable, would you stretch your hands towards this as just a, a symbol of, Lord, we're trusting you. So Lord, we do. We trust you with our finances. We are thankful for the resources you've trusted us with. And Lord, we, we just lift up this offering and we pray that it would be used to, to leave a legacy that says there is a God who loves us. There's a God who loves this city, loves this state, this nation, and loves the nations, loves the world. That For God so loved the world that he gave and, and so, Lord, we just step into the legacy you set for us that through our love, we give, Father. We love people. We love the gospel. We love you, Jesus Christ. And we just ask that you would have your way in this worship, this financial worship, we pray, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause? Jesus, we worship you. We love you. We love you.